Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer. And I'm Melissa Fight Johnson. And today I'm keeping my familial streak alive. <laughs> First we had my sisters, then we had my cousin. Now I'm delighted to welcome my aunt and uncle, Jeff and Rachel Hoyer. Yay! Yay! Welcome, guys. Welcome. Woohoo! It's us. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Jeff is my father's youngest sibling, the youngest of five. And Rachel is his lovely wife now of... 30 years. Woo, that's awesome. Yep. <laughs> Very Amazing. awesome. And uh, kind of crazy because I remember going to their wedding. Whoa. You do. Right? Well, this year was an important year because this year I finally reached the age where I've been married to Rachel now longer than I haven't been. Whoa. I was 29 <laughs> when we got married. And to my dad's words, almost too late to stop being a bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Isn't it funny what time does? Because my husband was like, I think, 33 when we got married. And I don't think he felt the same. You know, I don't I don't think it was like, oh, last chance for happiness. (laughs) (laughs) It's just weird. Those expectations. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, thank you for joining us. Where are you joining us from? We are both sitting in our offices at Johnson (laughs) County Community College in Overland Park, Kansas. Lovely. That's right. (laughs) So wait, you both work at the same place? We do. Jeff has worked here for 16 years, uh, and I have worked here for about seven weeks. (laughs) Seven weeks. The, The 16 years is also weird for me because prior to working here, the longest I ever worked in one place was two years. So, and it's not like I've been a vagrant living on the streets. I've always had jobs, but I typically was consulting or working for myself or did a project 18 months and I'm gone. If they knew where my desk was, I figured it was time to leave the office. You know? So <laughs> this was a big departure for me, but it's turned out to be, it's where I worked when we raised our kids. And it has been a really good employer for uh, accepting and understanding the importance of family. So, wow. Yeah. And I was in K-12 education for 18 years and time to make a change. And this is a fantastic place to be. Lots of new challenges. I'm really, I'm loving it. That's terrific. Yeah. Well, you mentioned kids. You've got some great kids. (laughs) Can you tell us about team Hoyer as it is, you know, today? Well, team Hoyer today is me and Jeff and our daughter, Callie and our son, Sam. Callie is 23. She is an actress in Dallas, Texas area. Um, And in about a month, she's getting ready to go to Germany and do a tour doing children's theater across Germany. Whoa. So cool. I did not know that. That's awesome. It's so cool. And, uh, you know, most people, when we were young and we were actors in New York City, if you were wanting a job, there was a a paper that came out, like a literal paper backstage and you would get the paper and you would read through it and you would circle things that you wanted to go audition for. Now, of course, all of that is electronic. And so you can see auditions for all over the world. And Callie was flipping through some auditioning site and saw this thing that was happening in Germany and they were auditioning in London. And so she, of course, didn't think, oh, auditioning in London, I can't do that. She emailed them and said, would you ever consider Americans? And they said, Sure, we actually love Americans because we find that the German students understand the American English accent easier than they do the British English accent. Wow. So, huh. 
<laughs> we love Americans. So sure, we'll set up a Zoom audition. Ask and you shall receive. That's amazing. Right? And the next day she auditioned. She didn't actually realize it was supposed to, it was an audition. She thought they were just going to like interview her and then set up an audition. <laughs> and they, she got on the Zoom and they were like, well, what do you have to show us? <laughs> and now, as a theater teacher, I had always told her, you need to make sure that you always have seven monologues ready to go at the drop of a hat. So that if people say, do you have any Shakespeare? Yes, you have a comedy piece and a tragedy piece ready from Shakespeare or a history. And, you know, do you have anything contemporary? Yes. It, you know, so there's just a, a slew of things that you should have ready. And she did. And so she got up and showed them several things and then they cast her and said, sure, come on over to Germany. I wow. love that so it's much. Perfect. Yeah. So wow. she's going to go over there in October and be there for their school year, which is October to July. Good for her. Wow. Cool. That's Rad. so exciting. Yeah. yeah. And our and son Sam Jimmy. is a junior at University of Central Missouri, and he is studying music technology. So he ultimately wants to be an audio engineer working in a studio more than he's not super excited about live sound. He's more interested in studio work, but he wants to try a little bit of both just to kind of see if that's really where he wants to be. But music technology is going to be his degree. Wow. We should have had him on for some luncheonette episode. Oh, yeah. So he could just laugh at how ridiculous this show's portrayal of audio engineers. <laughs> yeah, you're totally right. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so can you tell us about your families growing up? What sort of families were you a part of as children? So I am the youngest of five. My brother Paul is the oldest, then your dad, Steve, and they're right next to each other in age. Then there's a five-year gap. And then in a row, Lisa, Jan, and Jeff. And so growing up, we were collectively called, referred to as the boys, the girls, and Jeff. <laughs> and I'm proud to say we had that phrase done well before there was anything like gender bending or any sort of, <laughs> we had the boys, the girls, and Jeff. And I was perfectly fine with that because it just meant I'm a little bit special. So uh, that's how I view it. Oh, I love that. That's so great. Oh, and listeners may remember Jan. She wasn't on the show, but her husband Lyle was, and he was a That's guest right. season two. Just like all these connections, man. Yeah. All right. And his oldest brother, Paul, is the father of Meredith, who was on last week, and her sister, Sarah. Yes. The web is just filling in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am the youngest of four. I grew up wow. in Seward, Nebraska. My parents were both college professors. Actually, they both started in K-12 education and I kind of followed my mom from school to school. So when I was in elementary school, she had been there right before me and she moved up to the middle school. And then when I got into a junior high, when I got into junior high, then she moved up to the high school. When I got to high school, she moved to college. <laughs> so I just kind of followed her around. Aww. But then they were, they were both college professors and they're both retired now. She's 85 and he's 90 oh. and they're still going strong. Good. My oldest brother, Tim, is five years older than me. And then my brother, Mike, is right after Tim. Annie is right after Mike. And then there was a almost three-year gap and then me. So they, they like to tell the story that my dad had to take mom and drop her off at the hospital in this small town in Nebraska because the other three were at home, ages five, four, and three, and they all had the flu. Oh my God. So he had wow. to drop him, drop mom off. Hey, you'll go ahead and have that baby. You know how this works. And then he was <laughs> going to go back home and take care of these sick toddlers. Wow. So, yeah. Oh, lots of fun. Wow. I noticed that both of you are like, we just had two. <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> it's funny. Well, and so Man. having the two, we both thought 
we decided we would have four. Wow. When we foolishly thought you could control that sort of thing, we thought that having children had something to do with having sex. Well, it doesn't. <laughs> and then we had to go through in vitro fertilization. Oh, wow. We are wow. not the ones who should talk to the local high school kids because near as I could tell, I'm going to tell them, if you'd like a child, you need $10,000 cash up front <laughs> and a team of doctors. Wow. And if that's not the case, then, you know, do whatever you want in the backseat of a car. That won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a very inspiring talk in a different way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wow. Would you like us to come talk at your high school, Melissa? <laughs> <laughs> I do, but <laughs> well, our last question for newbies is: What was your history with the show Parenthood? Had you seen it before? Was this your first time? When it first came out, I think like when it was on live television, and we still had that kind of thing. I think we watched the first two seasons, maybe into season three. Yeah, I definitely remember it. So we watched it and we really liked it, but it was at a time when our kids were younger and you just can't yeah. stick with the show, especially when it's on. You got, oh, we have to watch it at this time every Thursday or, you know, whatever. Now with streaming, we can binge on a weekend or whatever. <laughs> but back when it first came out, we were like, uh, we can't stick with this. The kids have too much stuff going on. So we kind of just fell out of it. Yeah. This is not necessarily apropos of that, but I feel compelled to mention that Jeff and Rachel are largely responsible for my watching The West Wing. Oh. Because back Ooh, yes. before they had kids, they were saying, this is the best show on TV. And yep. it is a all-time great show. Well, and actually, The West Wing is what forced us to learn how to reliably record on a VCR, <laughs> which those of you who just stream now, th these were the tough days. You know, you had to figure out how to set your VCR so it didn't flash 12 o'clock all the time. And then you had to actually set it up to record. Even though we didn't have children, we would eat our meals watching it. And the West Wing dialogue moves so rapidly that we had to stop and rewind and listen again to see what exactly did CJ just say? <laughs> I missed that. You know? Yeah, that's a good that's a, point. When I started watching Gilmore Girls, that is the first time I think I ever watched whole shows with subtitles on, which now I do almost all the time. Just Me too. Yeah. But on Gilmore Girls, it was because of the dialogue. I'm like, I am missing what they're saying. Yeah. <laughs> if I can yeah. read it, I stand a chance. <laughs> now, do I get their references? Oh. Right. Good call. Only like 40%. <laughs> but now I've seen things like West Wing so much that if the captioning isn't 100% accurate, that annoys me. Yeah. yeah. See, oh, they missed a word. No, Sam said this. You missed that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's cool. Love to love to have you guys on. It's in case anyone cares. I don't know if anyone does, but I know a lot of Caleb's family already. Um, the exception is Jeff's oldest brother and his family because they always lived in Florida. And so meeting Sarah and Meredith has been really lovely. But everybody else we've had on, I've known them a real long time because they're just like <laughs> in the area and very welcoming to me. Like, like I mean, I've always kind of felt like a little honorary member of the family. It's like they'll invite me over for things and play games with me and stuff. It's just been <laughs> wonderful. I mean, I love it so much. So well, pretty we, wonderful. We still have the basement going strong. And I, I think about... Uh, back in the days when you guys were in college and it was Jay and Lindsay and the entourage would come over <laughs> for uh, Tony Awards night. Oscar night, all... Oscar night. Oscar uh, night, yeah. And our kids were little, but it was just such an exciting thing to do. I loved that. And uh, 
Yep, we're still in that basement. It's a great basement. The TV, <laughs> it the is. TV, the TV took a definite uh, a trip up this summer uh, to entice yeah, Sam to come back. TV. Ever, I did get a sixty-five inch four K TV, so yes. I, I stepped it up a bit. Is that what you so, watched Parenthood on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> I should say I was in your basement for a Tony night one year. Yes. Because yes. I was in Kansas City on tour that year and yeah. got to watch the Tonys with you. The year of Hamilton. Yes. It was a great night. Look at that. That was great. Yeah. That was yeah. fun. Perfect. Well, I can't wait to dive into this episode with you. Today, we're discussing Parenthood Season 5, Episode 17, Limbo. It was written by Jessica Goldberg, directed by Lawrence Trilling. It originally aired on March 13th, 2014. And here is the TV Guide synopsis. Jasmine and Crosby butt heads over an issue with Aida's upbringing. Julia learns disconcerting news about Joel. And Sarah continues to work with Hank, but needs Christina and Adam to step in when Max causes a disruption. I, I won't put this in. I'm sick of <laughs> criticizing the synopses, but like none of these things are exactly right. Jasmine and Crosby didn't butt heads with each other. No. 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 And then I guess Julia kind of learned disconcerting news about Joel. And then Sarah didn't need Christina and Adam to step in. No, she was like. No. I think she was annoyed they stepped in. <laughs> I think I so. Yeah. yeah. She'd have just assumed they step off the planet. You know, right now. <laughs> and it wasn't about Aida's upbringing. No. You know, it was yeah. one event. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so, come anyway. on, TV guide. That's right. Yeah. Caleb, that was all gold. You got to keep that in, you know? It's like... <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, to the actual episode, I felt like this whole episode kind of felt like a farce to me. Oh. And it was from the very first scene, I felt like they were setting up an event, a goal, and then spelling out all the impediments to that goal. I'm not gonna let you procrastinate any longer. It's happening Sunday. Mom, I know you wanna get this done, but it's very bad timing it's for us. Very, very bad timing. Just yeah, across the it's not board. like I'm asking to get the baby a haircut. This is Aida Soul that we're talking about. Renee, we know how important it is to you, and we're gonna do it. We'll, we will do it. Yeah, it's it just... important to me, Jess, yeah. you're doing this for me. No, no. Because I recall you're saying that Jabbar's baptism was one of the most beautiful moments of your life. And it was, Mom. But this is different. Mom, I'm in a marriage now and living with my in-laws. We'd, we're not in our own space. We can't host a brunch or do anything. It's just not my time. Camille is a wonderful host. She would love to put out some muffins for her grandbaby's salvation. No, Mom, they're selling the house. The house is for sale. Oh, your parents are selling their house? Yeah. Yeah. See? So I'll throw the brunch. Problems You're out. Mom, the okay. You live in a box. There's no room for a, anyone. A box full of love and joy is a beautiful box. No. There's another problem. There's a bigger problem. Oh, come on, guys. No, this. The godparents are currently separated. Yeah. Joel and Julia? Yeah. I mean, we hope that they'll get back together, but. Oh, that's shocking. I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that. They were so perfect. I know, well, now they're in a state of limbo, so. Which is exactly where Aida will be if you don't get her baptized. So you two need to choose a new godfather. Renee really working to dispel all those pushy mother-in-law cliches. <laughs> oh, right. um, can I just say I'd missed her. This was her first appearance all season? I think you might be right. And I, so I, I'd missed her very much. And she is the epitome of someone who I think if she were my mother-in-law, I would feel differently. But since she is a character on the show, I love her. <laughs> so anyway. She does walk that line so well of being annoying, but 
she's not actually doing anything worth hating. Yeah. Yeah. Intentions are good. The way yeah. she goes about it, a little much. <laughs> but you bring up something, Caleb, that I, I will say that, uh, and we talked a little bit about this as we were watching it the second time, the whole episode, and maybe this is how all the shows are, it felt very next issue, next issue, next issue. Oh. It just walked right down a path toward the ultimate climax of here we all are having the worst dinner ever. And aren't those two kids stoned? You know, and so, I mean, and, and so it was just like, but you watch everybody lockstep their way to this tragedy, so much so that all of the miscommunication, even when I watch it just there, even the first time we watched it, there's a little bit of contrived to mm. this miscommunication. You purposely stopped her before, you know, if, if you just said, wait a minute, should I ask Joel? First, wait, should I talk to Julia first? No. If Cross would have done anything, it could have all been fine, you know? Yeah. And I know, unless the recurring theme is that he can't communicate, then... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a really good observation because the first time I watched this episode, I got, I mean, for this podcast, not back in the day, I, I got really stressed out by it yeah. and a little, a little annoyed with it. And when I watched it the second time, and noticed that element of setting everything up. Oh, this is all leading to the Braverman dinner to end all dinners. Yeah. Yeah. It helped me at least like comprehend it a little better. It's like, oh, these are just the elements that they are putting into place so that the dinner can be as chaotic as possible. Yeah. 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 I think farce is absolutely right. That's how it felt like they were saying it. But I was, yeah, too, when we were watching it, I was like, oh, these people are annoying the tar out of me. I just, yeah. just want to sit them all down and go, okay, let's just talk to each other, shall we? Uh, yeah. Well, the other thing that kept striking me about this episode, which again taps into my own history, is the importance of baptism. Mm. Okay, so Caleb knows, but just to make sure everybody's aware, so my dad was a pastor. His dad was a pastor. All of their dads were pastors. We're big into the pastor thing, okay? <laughs> and baptism is a big deal, yeah. you know? And so while the mother-in-law was going about it very poorly and to spring it on them, is none of that's great. She's right, it's important. And then how many characters, one after the other, talk about, well, we're not really religious and I don't really care, but let's go ahead and do this thing. <laughs> I, it, it bothered me a bit, I have to say. And I felt like, well, Jeff, this is, yeah, this is how people live, you know, but I'm like, yeah. So it was weird. So I just had that element going on in my head the whole time, you know. You are right, though, that it is kind of like an, an interesting mishmash. Like, I mean, I don't have kids at all. I imagine if I did, I probably wouldn't get them baptized because I'm not religious. So I think that's an interesting mishmash of you have people who aren't religious, but who are doing a religious thing. And of course, that's going to lead to um, just disagreeing with each other about the significance of it. Because I mean, I think if you really break it down, they are just doing it for the mother-in-law. And yeah. I guess maybe that's loving. And one way to look at it is like, okay, what a, what a great thing to do for her. But then when she's like, well, don't do it for me. And it's like, well, that is why they're doing it. You know, <laughs> like, what do you want? You know? And so that's, yeah. But, yeah what do you do with that? Yeah. But even that, that don't do it for me comment. So I, I heard that distinctly 
which is a classic parent trap of <laughs> let me lay out for you what I want you to say. Right. But then I'm going to backpedal to make sure that you also say, no, no, I feel this way. You're not forcing me. Okay, good. I'll go to bed happy tonight. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, yeah, I, I never know what to do with that when you do something for someone else, but they want you to also do it for you. Like when she, when she says to Jasmine, wasn't this a beautiful moment when Jabbar was baptized? And she's like, yeah, it was. And I think Jasmine's telling the truth there. Did, did you all think that she was? I think she was. I mean, yeah. I didn't see, yeah. did they have, was that an episode when he got baptized or is that just passing? No, comment? no. Okay. But I, I felt like she was being genuine in that moment and that she was really trying to honor her mom and do what her mom wanted and perhaps the way she was raised, Yeah, you know, and just really trying to maybe capture that moment again, like she had with Jabbar. I don't know. Yeah. Everybody else is just like, oh, wait, we're doing what? Oh, okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And maybe what's hitting me about some of it too, is that I'm now of an age where the next big baptisms I'm going to go to very well might be grandkids, Yeah, you know? And in my opinion, in the last couple of years, have been tough on religion in America. And I'll be honest and say that Rachel and I have struggled with our own church because of politics mm. working itself in, and it shouldn't be. And so it has it has pulled us away from our church family. And so some of this episode kind of tugged. Wow. Um, I, I will say that the scene where Zeke talks to Joel I did not love that Zeke got up and left the dinner, apparently, to go talk to Joel. That seemed to me like, you're totally abdicating, old man. You're supposed to be running this ship, and you just left. Yeah. But he was reaching out to the one kid who wasn't there. Yeah. And I didn't love any of his dialogue. And yet, when Joel walked into the back of the church, I was tearing up because I'm like, that's a big deal. You know, so I think I identified with what he's trying to do there. And it is about pulling the family together for this littlest, youngest, newest member of the family. That's the big deal. Yeah. yeah. When you mentioned the mishmash of, you know, the ones that it matters to and the ones it doesn't, it made me want to know more about how Jasmine felt yeah. about it because yeah. it seemed like she was sort of at the crosshairs of all of that. Yeah. It's her mother who's saying, didn't that mean something to you? And she said, yes, it did. But then when Crosby's saying, you don't believe in any of this stuff, right? She says, well, no, not really, but it still matters. And I thought, I want to know more about her. Yeah, what, what, yeah, yeah. Explain that a little bit. Because it seems to me like baptisms are, are sort of like weddings or funerals to me, that even if they don't hold literal religious significance to you, they're markers of big milestones mm. in your life that is made more significant by turning them into a ritual, and like you just said, Jeff, I think baptisms are for welcoming new members of the family, be it your blood family or God's family. Yeah. And sort of like a, a vow, like you might make at a wedding of we're all here for you, looking out for you. Yeah. 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 Well, and just because you don't subscribe to whatever religion is being espoused there, I you know, doesn't mean that it can't affect you. We had a friend at our wedding who is not at all religious and at the reception came up to both of us to say, this was the most worshipful thing I have ever been a part of. Yeah. And I'm just so glad I was here. 
you know, did that turn him around and make him Chris? No, <laughs> but the emotion and the uh, connection, and he understood the importance of that worship service to us and that it was all those people together, you know, coming to help watch us make a, a commitment to each other. Um, and he really, he got that and that hit him emotionally. And so I, f- I feel like that kind of thing is what maybe resonated with Jasmine, maybe not the religious part of it, but just the emotion and how important this was to her mom, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But you're so right. I would have loved a speech like that from Jasmine because I did think it was pretty compelling listening to Julia kind of struggle on the phone with Joel about what this meant to her, even though she's not very religious. And I think, boy, there's a missed opportunity for Jasmine, who is, I think, the only one who's been brought up to be religious because Zeke and Camille didn't raise their family that way. So I think Jasmine might have had the most interesting point of view there. Yeah, there's definitely been some journey there that we weren't around for. I would love to have heard about it. Me too, yeah. Well, and that's where the Jasmine's mom, what was her name? Renee. Renee. If she's if she's our connection to religion, she was not representing well because <laughs> true, true. Be, because she's doing what religion so often does, mm. which is I don't care how you happen to do it, but it has to happen, and I need to have it this Sunday. And here's what you'll all be wearing. You know, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, really, is that what it is? But and so yeah, missed opportunity, but perhaps. Perhaps the mission of the show was not to convert people. Perhaps. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, you know, you make me think, like, Caleb and I have talked about this a few times because there have been a few episodes over the course of the series uh, that have just delved, I suppose, into religion. Like, there's an episode where um, Joel and Julia... (laughs) try to explain death to Sydney, uh, their, their daughter. And even though they're not religious and they're, so they're not going to tell her about like heaven, they totally buckle because she's real freaked out. And they're like, and then you well, go to Julia heaven. Does. Ju- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Ju- yes. That you're right. Mm, see, we'll get, yeah. And so Joel doesn't want to, and she just steamrolls. She right just over. does it anyway. These are all <laughs> evidence of their marital problems. Uh-huh. But Caleb and I've had, I think some really interesting discussions with guests and stuff about, representation of religion on TV and how, you know, to what extent are there like so-called inviting or warm, you know, representations that aren't then, you know, sort of cheesy or like a show that's the entire point is religion, like Seventh Heaven or something. And so you bring up like, I wonder if they're just like non-religious because the creators of the show are like, that's just easier. Like, let's not even mess with it. You know, like perhaps that will just be um, more comforting to viewers or something, which is so interesting because I that certainly didn't used to be the case. I think the default would probably be, let's make them Christian. That will be more comforting to viewers. Right. Fascinating, I think, like just the evolution, I guess, of that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you make me think about the, the TV shows that we watched when we were kids. You know, you would have had things like, well, Brady Bunch and those kind, maybe not so much, but like, even eight is enough, or like you said, seventh heaven or, um, little house on the prairie, you know, all Mm. of those had a religious element, Yeah, you know, where that was an important factor to the family. Yeah. And I feel like now, if there is a religious element, you're either going to be Hallmark channel, you (laughs) know, kind of over the top cheesy. Yeah. Or there's, there's nothing that really represents actual human beings. (laughs) you know, that are the way that people really do live or it's making fun of people, you know? Yeah. I remember assembling a photo collage 
for our social meds after <laughs> one of those discussions about characters that were portrayed positively and religious on TV shows, but it wasn't the center of their identity. And I remember Jed Bartlett was one of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was always portrayed as very religious, but the show was not about his faith. It right. was about him right. being the president. Yeah. But his faith was a major part of that character. And it's yeah. it was hard to find this. Melissa knew one from Felicity. We had Jane from Jane the Virgin. Yeah, she's a great example. But yeah, there weren't a lot. Either they're atheists or they're Carrie's mom. Eve was weak. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But the, the, one of the episodes are in the West Wing when his religion was really important to him, he was trying really hard to separate church and state because he understood that as a Catholic, he felt one way. And as the president, he needed to decide in the way that made the most sense and followed the law. Yeah. Yeah. So for him to even bring in the cardinal and have him sit and talk to him and go, you know, in this room, I am Mr. President. I'm not yeah. Jed. I'm not the, the guy that, you know, yeah. you know, I am the office. Wow. And that was that was really an interesting separation. Well, and you're making me wonder if politics is maybe part of the reason why now it's safer to be neutral, because I think there are connotations with Christianity that didn't used to be there or or you weren't sure. Like you would have a religious character and you couldn't necessarily guess if they were like a Democrat or a Republican or something. And that should still be the case is the thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And yet I think sometimes if you're going to have like a character and you're going to say one thing about them, there might be a whole host of associations that you didn't even necessarily intend to include. That's interesting to me. Like, so what do you do yeah. with that? Yeah. Well, and yeah. that is that is at the heart of what has, not to drag all of politics in, but that's what has happened to Christianity is mm -hmm. that it has been completely co-opted by the nut jobs of the <laughs> Republican Party. Sorry. <laughs> Don't apologize to me. <laughs> and, uh, well, but you're right. And, I mean, my entire life, I've been a registered Republican and I've been a Christian. And over the last two years, I've been horrendously embarrassed to say that either fact oh, to people. Wow. So I have dropped out of the Republican Party. I, I still think I'm a Christian, but the Republicans have got to go, bless their hearts. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. And so maybe the creators of Parenthood are like, let's just have them say they're not religious. Right. <laughs> Don't go there. Don't just go not there. go there. Yeah. Right. We're on the bubble again this season. <laughs> are we coming back? Let's not rock the boat. I, yeah. I mean, I wonder if it's just stuff like that rather than genuine, like creative decisions, which would be, you know, preferable, I would imagine. And yet, yeah. What I think was really interesting about the episode that I really loved is the family dynamic mm. was very evident and sort of the style of that show. And it, it even struck memories of when we originally watched the first few seasons is what they've got going for them is the walking, talking family dynamic of family that live near each other and they all know each other. And so it's, it's just a constant cavalcade of characters and they, they have their own lives, but they're all intertwined. And to pull that together, even if this particular episode contrived it for this one event, that to me is still very much a feel good and a touchstone moment for me to come back to Caleb's. 
that's what religion and family are supposed to be, is that unity, that we all have something in common and we support each other in these milestones, you know? I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where his discussion of the unasking Joel to be a godfather. No, no, no. Mistake number one, Crosby, you asked him. A godfather and a godmother don't have to be related. They don't have to be Mm. anything. They are the people you choose to help guide your children if and when you die unexpectedly. But I feel like that's part of the, that's part of where this family is missing it. Mm. They're doing what they've maybe observed or what they've heard from Renee maybe, but they're not, they don't get it. They're not in it. They don't really understand what a godparent is supposed to be. So to them, oh, well, it's a married couple that we choose that stand up on that day. You know, yeah, they're they're on the surface level with some of that. Yeah, they've turned you it know. into one more reason to make Sarah feel bad for being single. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I also appreciated the just some of the nuances of like Crosby sitting and listening to his parents' conversation through the air vents. I've been been sitting here listening to these conversations for 30 years. You know, that just made me chuckle, Uh, you know, because you do that kind of stuff. And you, you, but then he did that not to eavesdrop so much as to understand what his parents were really feeling, because I feel like most of these people don't tell each other honestly what they're really feeling when they're face to face. So he's listening to his parents and understanding what they're really feeling. And then that drives him to apologize to mom later, uh, you know? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Let me jump in on that because that's something that Rachel, probably one of the first things Rachel and I said to each other was, okay, would everybody just stop and finish a flippant sentence, please? <laughs> yes. Because if any of them would finish their thought, all of this would be better, but you are just going off half baked everywhere and it's, you know, it, it, that was annoying because I'm like, <laughs> I feel the good intentions everywhere and <laughs> missed it, missed it, missed it. Yeah, it's a very good point. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I get like that just made me think of um, Sarah and Max. Sarah's trying to set some limits for him because she understands he's and, and she even throws in when she's talking to Hank, you know, he sees things black and white. He needs to if you tell him tomorrow, then he's going to think tomorrow. And he, you know, so she's understanding some of the way his mind works, but at the same time, she's trying to set some limits for him. And I mean, I'm sorry, he shouldn't sit down on her lap and try to push her out of the chair. He needs to listen. So she was in the right in some of those things, but never did she stop and tell his parents, Hey, here's what happened with Max here's how I'd like to resolve the situation. I'd love for him to be able to use the printer, but here's how it's going to have to work. And I understand she, she has her project and she wants to get back to the shop and you know, it's all for the drama, whatever, but then no communication with her and Christina at all. Yeah. Well, and then all snapping at each other in that same thing. We had, we had Adam who was on the right path to having an actual conversation with Sarah. I wanted to talk to you about what happened the other day with Max. Oh I just want everybody to get to the other side. It was crazy. It was crazy. He at one point he like sat on me because I was trying to tell him not to use the computer. Right. I'm sorry about that. And had to say no. And he he did not like hearing that. Sometimes right. When she made the ridiculous choice to poke him in the shoulder and talk about (laughs) maybe he needs to hear no. Like he doesn't hear the word no quite enough. (laughs) 
Sarah, I'm it's just not, saying, he didn't even. It's not so much about that. It's just that even. it's a really important thing for him to be able to go to yeah, Hanks when he wants to go to really Hanks. I just thought what every parent wants to hear is criticism of their parenting skills. That's absolutely <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I thought the exact same thing. I was like, I think he was on board Close. or yeah, at least, was, at least eager to hear, okay, what actually happened? Yeah. yeah. And then I, I felt like she was using humor to yeah. deflect the awkwardness of the confrontation. I'm like, oh, that backfired because <laughs> yeah. then, and then she also, to add to that, rubs in the insult of, you were a substitute. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Well, let's delve a little deeper into the the whole Sarah Max issue. Yeah. I want to use the hey. towel thing we were Max. talking about the other day to print these yearbook photos that I took. Max, I didn't think, you don't come on Wednesdays, I do you? I don't come on Wednesdays, we're but my parents today. said if it was okay with Hank, it's okay with Oh, that. Max, don't put well, that in there. Uh, okay. You Good. can't it's working. mess with Those are my in the middle day, of man, a really Max. important yeah, job. Yeah. It's okay. It doesn't matter. And I really need to print these things. Not, Max, you can't print right now. Max, listen yeah, to me. I have a fair solution. I have okay. a fair solution. Okay. What is it? I will use the printer for one hour, and you get it for one hour. Max, we only have the printer for this week. And yeah, I know, which is why I need to develop it Every single right minute. Now. About a half an hour, maybe. Don't push half me out of my move, chair, move, Max. Move, tomorrow. Max, move. tomorrow. Listen. Hey, you know what we'll do Max, tomorrow. No, we're not going to do it tomorrow. We well, tell him tomorrow, and then tomorrow we'll no, tell him tomorrow. No, don't tell him tomorrow, because he really counts on things. Hey, Max, you have to listen to me. Look at my eyes. What? No, you're being completely selfish. Today is not a good day. You're being really, really selfish. We need you to come back next week. Oh, that's a good idea. Don't print it. I think you should go home. Home right now, good. the next bus doesn't leave for another 45 minutes, so I'm at least going to use it until then. This is not working. I'm going to take you home then. No, you can't do That's that. Okay. It's okay. It's faster for me to run him yeah. home than to let him. Uh, you can't here. take me home. This is Hank's studio. It's come Hank's on. studio. Max, you can't tell me to leave. Max, listen, Maybe. we're going home Maybe. right now. Stop that. No. Hey, buddy, come on. What? Let's go. Let go. We're going home. Well, I just, I'm sorry. It's just, what? it's not a good day today. Don't, Don't let him run. He's fast. I know. Max, slow down. Hey. Ah, oh, he's running. I was going to ask what your verdict was about, was she too harsh on him? Was she not? But Rachel, I feel like you kind of already <laughs> <laughs> said it. And I at least agree. I agree too. I, I thought, I actually don't think she did anything wrong the entire episode with the possible exception of telling, you know, Adam, you know, like kind of poking the bear. But I kind of felt like everyone was gaslighting Sarah and acting like she'd been a monster to him or something, like that she'd cursed at him or was really inappropriate in some way. And I was like, I think she was just firm and took him home instead of letting his loophole of, oh, the bus doesn't come, so I'm here. She was like, well, no, you're behaving inappropriately. Here's a consequence. And even, I, I totally agree with you, Rachel, that she should have talked to Christina. And I sort of blamed Christina because she brought Max over and Christina just kind of ignores the fact that Sarah doesn't live there. And so Sarah's there for a reason. And maybe she should talk to her first and then go talk to Max, who lives there and will be there for the rest of the evening. She just yeah. she just yeah. ignored her and went upstairs to go get Max's story. And it just reminded me as a teacher, maybe it triggered me a bit of like, my precious, my precious baby angel can't do anything wrong. I'm not even going to ask the teacher what happened, but just believe my precious baby angel. And I just, right. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, really yes. struck yeah. me, but oh yes, the yeah. years of teaching, yes, yes. yeah, but hundred percent. Caleb, you were the same though. You you like yeah. I I mean, you said everything. I was gonna say it makes me wonder if this is the story they wanted to tell, or if they didn't execute 
the story they wanted to tell. Because mm. I think if the story they wanted to tell was, well, Sarah lost her cool and was a little harsh with Max, and then she had to learn this <laughs> lesson, then I think they didn't nail the execution <laughs> of her scene with him. Because yeah. I can see that story happening. Yeah. But I'm like, well, she needs to be way harsher. Yeah. And I could, I would believe that. It made me wonder if the show was nervous about portraying her too negatively. I could see that. And then they had just overcorrected with her actually kind of being a model <laughs> parent. I thought, because yeah. I agree. Like, it's, it's like, I think she just enforced a clear rule. No, yeah. I said you can't do it. And, and I'm sticking to that. And I'm not going to tell you tomorrow if I'm not sure we can do it tomorrow. It makes me wonder if Max has simply never encountered that before. <laughs> and so, of course, it feels like fascism to him. Right. right <laughs> but I thought right. if she had yelled at him or had cursed or had hit him or something, you know, then yeah. I would be a lot more on their side. But as it yeah, was. But, but I feel like she was standing up for herself. She was setting limits for him. Yeah. You know, she was doing the, the appropriate things. Yeah. She didn't follow through with conversation with his parents, which is what she should have done. You know, but I feel like his parents aren't great at setting limits for him. No. You know, I mean, and then when she came back later and she said, hey, I rented the printer for another week so Max can come use it. And then he just says, I'm too busy next week. I can't do it. That his parents <laughs> missed a moment there to go, uh, no, and no, Sarah's doing no, something actually, special for you. She's trying to make up for the missed time that you had this week. Now, maybe I maybe I missed something, but I, I think that moment, the makeup moment did happen. It was right there where she's telling Christina and Adam, I ordered the printer for an extra week. They all three tell Max that. And he comes back with the next week's not good for me. And they and then he had some comment about, well, he just pooed on your idea. But to me, that was the three of them having a little laugh about yeah. they would have otherwise I felt like they the unspoken word was, hey, thanks, Sarah. But ah, now just to prove us all wrong, the kid just can't be happy. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, that that's the moment where I'm like, yeah, the, the three of them bonded on, yeah, try to help him out. You can't. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I gotta say, a little beat that I loved was that the whole episode, I feel like people were urging her to like apologize to Max because she'd been too harsh. And I was really hoping, honestly, that she didn't. Because again, I didn't think she did anything wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was glad I that- think I'm almost certain I know what you're about to say and I noticed it too. <laughs> well, I I'm, now I'm not sure, but I just really liked that she didn't apologize. That instead yep. it was- I have done this kind thing for Max as a, like a gesture, you know, like it's a, like a peace offering kind of thing, yeah. but that's different from I'm sorry. Was I was like, good, you're not actually sorry. And you didn't do anything wrong. As a chronic over-apologizer myself, I think it's wonderful when people take a beat and are like, should I be sorry? No, instead I'll, I'll just make amends another way. Was that yeah. what you were going to say, Caleb? Exactly. Oh, I, love <laughs> I was like, I'm so glad she didn't have to apologize. Yeah. Especially when yeah. as she's leaving Hank, she says, I'll probably apologize anyway. <laughs> I love that line but made me laugh because it reminded me of me. <laughs> I, I want to mention something about that scene with Hank. What are you going to say to Max? Oh, I'm not going to say anything to Max. I don't owe my 14 year old nephew an apology. I'll probably apologize, apologize to him anyway. Say, yeah, say he apologize. But in their defense, um, who? Well, look, I'm not defending them, but. I was thinking about uh, how you were talking about the job the other day. Mm -hmm. How how much it means to you that you found something you're good at and, and you got a future with. 
That's probably how Adam and Christina feel about Max finding photography. Yeah. Because uh, when you find uh, your thing, it's uh, like a life raft, kind of. In the storm, you know, it's like a stormy sea of life. And anyway, that's I'm working on trying to see how people feel, trying to think about more about other people feeling and all that stuff. So that thought popped in my head about Max. Yeah. yeah. Really, just a, that just popped in your head about the stormy. Yeah. See. Yeah, it just popped in my head, and I'm going to just say it. I'm glad you did. Really? Really. <laughs> Stormy Sea of Life. It's very poetic. I almost resented the show for trying to make me see Max's side of this <laughs> argument, even though it is a totally legitimate side. And I will say, I, I don't know if I can think of any instance in which I don't think it is a worthy endeavor to try and put yourself in someone else's shoes right. and see where they are coming from. And so, yeah, it's fine that Sarah thought a little bit about what does this mean to Max to be able to come here? Yeah. It also seemed a little bit like they were upset about different things. Sarah was upset about her project. Yeah. And Adam and Christina were upset that she had maybe endangered his mm. comfort in this place that is like a refuge to him. Well, okay, I get it. You're You're each focusing on your own things. But when Sarah then goes and makes amends, I thought, is anyone going to try and make Max see anything from Sarah's side? Or is wow. it just always we are bending to you? You cannot possibly get through the day unless we are always accommodating you. Like that is a bad recipe for his future, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. 100%. I really was proud of Sarah for the... Coming, you know, I rented this thing for another week or whatever for Max. Yeah, that's a great. I solution. felt like she had learned something from yeah. her conversation with Hank about yeah. you know, okay, hey, this is an important thing for him, and think about how you felt about discovering this cool thing for you. Yeah, put yourself in his shoes. You know, yeah. oh, okay, and so she did that. But I think you're 100 right. Nobody is telling Max, you need to chill a minute, and you got to put yourself in Aunt Sarah's shoes and recognize this cool thing that she did for you. I think his parents are just like, nobody's treating you right. I mean, the whole way his mom was with the teacher. Yeah. Like, oh, 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 flashbacks. Oh, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah. I tell you. Flashbacks from the other side. Right. 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 Not you as the mom. Not you me as, as the, the teacher. Mom. No, no, no. Flashbacks from the teacher's side. But also, I feel like the parents have obviously taught Max to try to cope, evidenced in his quick discussion of, I have an idea. We could each have it for one hour. I'll have it my hour, then you'll have it. Yeah. Translation, get the hell out of my way. This is my hour. I'm catching the bus in 45 minutes anyway. So Yeah, that's so good. By point. the way, yeah. you're selfish. <laughs> yeah. What got, what got me is that he called Sarah selfish after yeah. plugging in his project to her computer, yeah. shutting down her thing, sitting on her. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. You're and being it, really selfish, Sarah. What? And it does, I mean, it, it makes me wonder you know, doing this as long as we have, I still don't fully know what reasonable expectations would be for him as someone on the spectrum, you know, like to what degree can he put himself in other people's shoes? I'm genuinely asking, like, I mean, I, I, I like to think empathy is something that could be learned of anyone, but I know Adam specifically has had conversations with Max about empathy is hard for you. But then I think, 
well, then why wouldn't you try extra hard to teach it at every opportunity? Um, you know, like just, you just give up and you're just like, let's bend to max like that. Yeah. Again, that doesn't feel like the right way. And you know, Hank says in that last scene, I'm trying to see things from other people's points of view. Now he's a person unto himself with his own. Yeah. True. Qualities and difficulties. Yeah. Yeah. But he was very aware of the areas in which he could improve and is trying. And as we've said a million times, boy, just awareness and effort goes such a long way. You don't have to be perfect, but please be trying. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. And that might, I mean, it might be that Max can't understand those things, but that doesn't mean his parents can't help him model some of it. Yeah. Yeah. Even practice the skills, even if the actual empathy isn't there you know, I mean, he's trying with the, I'll do this hour, you do that hour, but then he needs adults that are helping guide him go, you know what, this isn't your choice right now. I see where you're trying to go and way to be, this is a great idea, but you're not the adult in the room right now. We have these two adults and this is their place of business. And so while we want to accommodate you, you're going to have to work around there. You know what I mean? Yeah. There is yeah. some explaining that can happen that he can understand. Yeah. And as Sarah said, he's not a baby. Yeah, he's no, 14 yeah. years old. Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. I mean, he's not an adult either. You know? True. True. Yeah. He has a lot of growing to do and his brain has a lot of developing to do, but he needs some adults that are guiding him. And I feel like Sarah's the only one trying to do that. I, yeah. I just, you know, I don't want to sound rude to Adam and Christina. Everyone does the best they can, but I couldn't help but wonder in this episode, I'm like, how different might Max be? If he were raised by someone more like Sarah, would he just have free reign like this all the time and be like so hurtful in his comments? Like, I, I feel like Sarah wouldn't quite let him get away with it. And I I can't help but think that a lot of Max's stuff is behavioral and it feels not directly tied to being on the spectrum. It's almost like they just kind of let that excuse all kinds of things. That yeah. worries me. I, I yeah. think that's a problem. Like you'd have yeah. to try extra hard to give him boundaries, I would think, you know, to, to help him down the line. So he doesn't like sit in strangers laps to get what he wants. Right. And, you know, I mean, yeah. that'll get you fired. Like, I mean, he, yeah. they've yeah. got to really be thinking about his future instead of just coddling and opening up new schools for him and, and, you know, like angrily talking to all his teachers, some of whom deserve it, some of whom don't, um, you know, it's right. just, a, it's a, yeah. 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 I also wonder what is the challenge for the creators of a show in portraying that? Because like this is the fifth season of the show and he was diagnosed with Asperger's season one. Yeah. You want to show growth in the character, but also this is such an easy well of stories to dip into over and over and over again. Well, Matt's through a tantrum about something and and (laughs) is is there any incentive for him to maybe not grow? Mm. Because, well, it just provides, you know, because sort of like Crosby this season, Crosby has been maturing, maturing, maturing. And now it sort of feels like in season five, they go, oh, but it's really great when Crosby can't grow up. That's such a fun story to tell. But at this point, it just feels regressive. Like, well, but he's growing backwards now. He was getting better. And I I don't know. I wonder if that plays into Max at all. I bet it does. So to jump to another show that has uh, dipped into the well of a character's neuroses over and over, have you ever heard of a show called The Big Bang Theory? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Sheldon, Sheldon Cooper, it took them a few se- a few episodes to figure out that's where the money is in this show. And so for 
Rachel, help me, 11 seasons, 12 seasons? What did they end up with? I think they ended up with 12. I mean, 12 seasons. He doesn't have his growth moment, Caleb, until the last freaking two episodes. You know? <laughs> I mean, he had the tiniest bit of growth, but how, you know, so as a, as a, as a writer, that is a rich uh, a vein to tap into for motivation. If if drama needs conflict, well, here you got your built-in conflict. Yeah, you know? yeah, good point. And I feel like they it's they're more successful when they show conflicts with Max. I'm tripping over my own thoughts, but like I'm thinking of when he was student council president mm-hmm. and everyone wanted a dance, and Max had no interest in a dance, so he said, "No, I'm not throwing a dance," and he got overruled. And then his parents had to explain to him, "You are because you're the president, you really have to go to the dance. But then it was so endearing. It was like, well, Max feels awkward. He doesn't feel comfortable or necessarily maybe even welcome in that environment. And so they have to help him. But then I think, well, if you really had a child with autism in the, the way that Max does, it wouldn't just be those heartwarming moments yeah. where you help him feel included. It would also be the annoying moments where he's driving you up the wall. Yeah. Yes. So hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's, yeah. I guess it is about, I'm like, why don't they just do all the endearing storylines? The <laughs> they make me like him so much more. Well, because right. that's not the whole picture. Yeah. 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 Good point. I do want to say that I actually thought Adam's joke was really funny. It smells delicious. Thank you. What is it? Gwyneth Paltrow's roasted chicken. What is she supposed to eat for dinner? <laughs> I did too. <laughs> I, I didn't catch that, Caleb, until the second time we watched it. Because I totally, I mean, I don't know, but I, the second time I did chuckle to myself, but totally missed it the first time. It is yeah. such a dad joke. I was going right? to say is. the same thing. Yeah. It's your dad joke. I think they should show that side of Adam more. Speaking of sides that they should show, yeah, like yeah. they should, like a kind of endearing, dorky joke side. I, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, so Sarah and Max was the first sort of uh, contrivance of well, this is going to come up at the dinner. Um, <laughs> the second one, although it didn't quite come up at the dinner, but it led to uh, events at the dinner. Yes. Drew and his roommate drama. Hey, can I come in? Yeah, come in. If you want me to leave, I can leave so oh, you guys can have a little moment. That's, that's clever. Drew, you don't have to be a jerk about the entire thing. <sighs> yeah, I'm the jerk now, Natalie. Oh, hey, Natalie. Look, um, what we had was fun and all, but it's kind of bumming out Drew, and he's my roommate, so I got to pass. Can I talk to you yes, for a moment? Yes, Okay, um... Look, you're pissed. Yeah. Fine, I get that. It's really clear. Message received. But frankly, do you think that that's really fair? Like, you did disappear into a cave with your ex-girlfriend for an entire month. With him? Hey, man. With Birdo, Natalie. (sighs) Come on. I said I was sorry. I got my own cashew butter, too, man. I know. Drew, I feel like we're forgetting how this went down. You fell off the face of the earth for an oh entire month. Was I supposed no, to just sit in my dorm for a month cash. and be celibate and wait for you to come it's hang out? I'll leave, I'll leave my own dorm. I'll leave my own dorm. Birdo and uh, Renee have something in common, which is I think if I knew them in real life, I might not be such a fan. But on my television screen, I'm like, 
Yes, please. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yes. But I mean, I'm like, I shouldn't find this guy endearing. Drew's heartbroken and sad, but he's like, hey, man, I got my cashew butter. And I'm like, <laughs> cashew butter. <laughs> I'm like, oh, damn it, Birdo. I oh think my. you're adorable. Um, I, I, got, yeah. I don't know. No, I think he's he's a Neanderthal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because, yeah, I mean, it's not only this scene, which this is good. I'm glad that Drew at least got to talk with Berto. Come on. <laughs> you know, aren't we all evolved past this? Because Berto earlier with the scene talking to Drew about, oh, you want me to not hit that? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, do you mean have a relationship with this other human being in the other room? Is that, that's, is that what you're talking about, true. you big jerk? Yeah. yeah. You know, while we're on the subject of problematic lines, I did not care for, I thought you were done with that, or I thought you were done yes. with her. I was yes. like, yeah. not not great. I, I really no. mostly liked his cashew like butter she's lines. she's a coffee filter. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. But I, I did love in the earlier scene... <laughs> When Berto put his hand on Drew's knee and Drew went to push the hand away and then Berto just put his hand on top of Drew's hand. I was like, this is a nice little bit of business. Yeah, yes, that yes. was great. I mean, but anyway, so yeah. again, I think they're mad about two different things. Ooh, okay. I think Natalie is mad that Drew withdrew <laughs> and was so devoted to Amy while she was there. And I think Drew is fine with her sleeping with other guys, but... Of all the guys, his roommate, the one closest to him, I guess, at least geographically, <laughs> the more I thought about it, and I guess I could be wrong, but I feel like Natalie's entire goal was to get Drew's attention. Interesting. And and her saying that she was upset that he just disappeared, to me, only makes me think that more. Like, well, who will get his attention? Who will get him to not be off the face of the planet anymore. Wow. Sleep with his roommate and see if that gets a reaction. And it sure did. But now I don't know if he's really got a, a right to be upset because she can sleep with whoever she wants. I think the only thing that makes me curious about that is that they don't do it in like Drew and Birdo's room. They do it in Natalie's room. And Drew just happens to knock on the door. Was she like banking on that or was she going to like tell drew like in my mind i think she was like oh i was never gonna tell drew like like it was just like mm. she slept with him because she was lonely or sad or something and there he is and i don't know that drew would have found out not saying that's better that <laughs> she just sort of slept with his roommate and never told him but that's the only thing that makes me wonder oh was this to get drew's attention it wasn't anywhere near drew it's not like she grabbed birdo at a party where drew was and started kissing him or something so that's true and so that i wondered that but i i just i'm at this point i'm like guys shouldn't you maybe just give up like you're just like <laughs> yeah it's not like you've been married for 30 years like you know right. it's, yeah. you, you just yeah. met go I think you've like poisoned this well enough. Like both of yeah. you. I don't know. And are you the best each other can do? I, yeah, like yeah. just go find like people. I, who no want, offense yeah. to you know the actress who plays Natalie, but I'm not like oh, but Natalie is so cool. Don't give up, Drew. I'm like no, she's totally running the mill. I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's funny. Oh. I mean, I just think they're very different, and they want different things, and I think that's fine. But I think yeah. they just keep yeah. trying to put that square peg in the round hole or whatever. I'm like, you just aren't a fit. Like, just just let each other go. Be free. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think that was a big part of this whole episode, though. Everybody is doing that. Mm. You know, they're just missing each other. 
they want different things, but they're trying to make this thing work. And that's really not what either one really wants. Yeah. I feel like that was just another example of, you know, wow, you people need to sit down and talk things through. Yeah. Yeah. Well put. Love that. And the, the only thing that I think is justified in being upset is Drew. I, I, I totally understand Drew's, okay, fine, sleep with whoever you want, but really, this idiot? I mean, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. just because and it's the whole, the, you know. I mean, he's the one who bars his socks and turns them inside yeah. out. Like, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Now, I have to say, somebody was proud of themselves in the writer's room when they came up with that, you know, little tidbit. Because <laughs> <laughs> that pretty much gives you a whole, in, in case his, I thought you were through with her, uh, didn't do it for you. The inside out socks yeah. ought to do it for you. Yeah, <laughs> That's true. I mean, I shouldn't have any affection for that character at all. And yet the way he just, I feel like he's like, like, okay, there's, this is a weird reference, but there's this episode of Friends where Phoebe's like talking about everyone's past lives and Joey's like, what about me? And, and she's like, oh, honey, you're brand new. (laughs) And I I feel like Birdo's brand new. he's a young soul he's a young soul yeah and so like it's hard for me to even get too upset about him saying offensive stuff I was actually more offended weirdly by like Zeke and we'll get to that later um because I'm like well Zeke is supposed to be very wise and I and so Alberto's not like so when he says something awful part of me's like I cringe like I always do but I'm also like what does Birdo know no no one's looking to Birdo even when he's like oh I thought you were done with her the yeah. intention behind right. it is I want to be a good friend to you. Yeah. And oh. if it bothers you, then I'll stop. I'll stop hitting that. Having a relationship. <laughs> yeah. Hitting yeah. that. Yeah. He says, you're my bro. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. I mean, because he's, he's trying. I mean, he says all these horrible Neanderthal things. Yes. But he's trying. I got my own cashew butter, dude. (laughs) And I think he like genuinely feels bad about hurting Drew. And I think that's an endearing note to play. They could have just had Drew's roommate be like some asshole who you don't care about at all. Yeah, get over it, bro. Yeah, and then you just feel the betrayal and you're like, oh, this whole thing is awful. I think it throws a real wrench in it (laughs) that he's like saying these pretty endearing things. And I think Drew hates that. He's like, well, I'm supposed to hate you. Like, just Right. You know, like, don't put your hand on my knee. I'm going to pull, you know, like, yeah. oh, all right, <laughs> damn it. And, you know, I'm. it's got to be an element, too, of Natalie doesn't want a relationship with Drew, and he does. Mm-hmm. And so to know that, in a way, she's picking Birdo over him. Like, Ooh. not only do I not want to be with you, I would sooner be with Birdo. But, again, with, they mean different things by with. Yeah. She's not yeah. having a relationship. She with would Drew. rather She's sleep with sleeping. Drew than Birdo, but they yeah, learned probably, that, but that Drew doesn't, doesn't want to do that. Yeah, he wants to either be with her or not. It doesn't work. He tried yeah. the in-between thing and he wasn't really comfortable, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Birdo apparently has one skill and it's not conversation. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh, man. But, you know, the whole point, right, of that entire storyline was just to get us you know, get Drew to Amber's house. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. God, they are a, a hoot together. Oh, I loved it. I don't usually think pot humor is that funny. And in this episode, I was like, yes, it, it was that funny. Okay. Yeah. It was pretty funny. But it's also, to me, that was very much a generational thing mm. in that you've got Amber and Drew, the next generation of Julia and Crosby, you know, Sarah and Adam. 
and the same dialogue banter, the same pace, the same nobody finishes the sentence. It is utterance, utterance, utterance yeah. happening between the two of them, finishing each other's sentences, each ignoring mom until what the hell? Is someone <laughs> going to answer this? You know, and that to me was generational. And they go to the family thing, you know, and that was very realistic and somewhat endearing in a <laughs> odd sort of way, yeah. you know? Yeah. I think it was. I mean, they took and just a- that when he's upset, he goes to his sister. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think, well, that's kind of lovely on its own. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, if they need to smoke pot together to feel better about the situation, well, they're there for each other. Right. <laughs> and I liked the little moment of, you know, well, maybe I should stay here with you because you're sad. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. Maybe you should move in because you're sad. And, right. I, you know, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Great. That's a pathetic yeah. off I can get on board with. Yes. Um, that's a, yeah, that's, I love that. Well, and, you know, honestly, they didn't hurt anyone. Like, I was really delighted that they took a cab, you know, to, yes. to get over there. Yes. And because of that, like, I thought that the whole storyline was kind of, like, light and, and fun because it's just a little embarrassing and that's like the only stakes it's not like anyone's gonna disown them or you know yeah. it makes sarah look bad for criticizing someone else's yeah. parenting skills. i love that one shot where amber seems to be having difficulty getting the asparagus <laughs> into her mouth she's <laughs> hitting the side of her mouth with it uh, uh, i'll try it i'll get it i'll try again i do love you know nerd mm. that i am so drew when he's at amber says hell is other people quoting Sartre it is indeed Sartre or if if I could really speak French Sartre it's from his play no exit not from the novel nausea which which we saw Drew reading at the beginning of the episode that is a novel that tells a story of a college freshman whose crush sleeps with his roommate (laughs) (laughs) but i thought well maybe drew is reading a lot of sartre so i was like i don't think that's necessarily a hole in the story i like that um i do want to ask can we pinpoint what does make that storyline funny when like to me who usually thinks when people are acting stoned it's really dumb but i was just enchanted like can anyone like pinpoint what made their stoned acting funny i think it was his innocence Mm. And not knowing, you know, he's like, wait, you keep that in your freezer? Well, yeah, you know, and his just, I've never done this. I don't know what any of this is. Yeah. Big sister kind of guiding him. (laughs) Let me show you the ropes, kid. (laughs) Really kind of twisted. But they, you know, that they're, they've been missing each other in the conversation, just like everybody in the whole episode. Yeah. Not listening to each other, not listening. And then here is the moment that we connect and that we are really paying attention to each other and that we're really there for each other. (laughs) Okay, it has to be getting stoked. But it was just it was just really funny. I, I, I just felt like that was a, a real moment of connection for them as siblings that they're really trying to help each other. Yeah. And this was the way she was trying to get him to, you know, get over his feelings or, you know, deal with his feelings. That was what made it endearing to me. Yeah. I do think that you hit something too, Melissa, about um, you know, nothing was really depending on them. Mm-hmm. I often don't find drug humor or like oh, I was so drunk, oh, I'm so high, that funny. One thing that I think often bothers me is that it's usually like, oh, I have to do this really challenging thing, but 
now I'm stoned. How am I going to get through it? Yeah. And I think, well, that was just a really bad choice, wasn't it? And I don't think that's funny. I think you should (laughs) suffer the consequences of these bad choices you made. Here, all they had to get through was a family dinner that wasn't for them. Yeah. Like, all they really had to do was attend. Yeah. And they did that. So I wasn't supposed to be laughing at how badly they prepared for this event and that they, they forgot, forgot about that it was they, happening. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's Even not like oh, we're going to get stoned before we go to this family dinner so we can deal with our crazy family. It was, we're trying to deal with our own issues and this is how we're coping. Oh crap. We forgot. We're supposed to go to the family dinner. Yeah. That oh, is and better. maybe it's the fact that they still went. Yeah. That helped me. Cause it's like their solution wasn't, well, we can't go. We have to bail on mom. Yeah. It was okay. Let's get, let's ourselves get it together. In shape and let's, let's go be with our family. And they just well, do it. And so then the, poorly. Back to the, reli- the little religious moment too, as they're walking in, wait, is this a celebration? Is this a somber occasion? What are we supposed to do? <laughs> What's happening? You know, yeah. What's happening here? <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Yeah, maybe it's just the naivete that yeah, makes it. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so. Or like, I mean, their acting is so good, though. Like, like often I think that the writing for like people who are stoned is sort of like ridiculous and dumb. Yeah. But in this case, like them just being like, "Yeah, we make the meaning." Like, like I want it. Like, <laughs> bring yeah. me the ice cream. Like, I, I, it was very charming and sweet, and yeah. And the eye drops. That was really yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Open your eyes a little bit more than you think is natural. Good yeah. tip. Good tip. <laughs> <laughs> but it also, it, it's the icing on the cake that was the entire episode ending in the dinner from hell. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because everybody has to have their own thing and we, we know what we've got going on. And then there's these two. The only thing we were missing is Max coming and flipping the table over, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. Well, and I think the only thing that made me at all mad about them being stoned is I really didn't want Christina to have the upper hand, but I have to admit it did make me laugh when they were sort of, Adam's like, well, Sarah's, you know, being critical and Christina's, her kids are stoned. Like (laughs) I both loved Monica Potter's delivery and was mad that Christina had a leg to stand on. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, the last contrivance which i think was the most substantive yes was the whole joel julia predicament i found the scene between crosby and joel unexpectedly touching i was coming over to talk to you it's aida's uh baptism thing oh yeah yeah is that coming up yeah sunday wow i mean i could personally i don't really care too much i would just sprinkle water at her sure head at home and call it a day but it's you know really important to renee and it's, this is a big deal. So, you know, they oh. they wanted uh Yeah, I get it. <laughs> you yeah. do? Yeah. Yeah, it would be, it'd be awkward for me to be the godfather with everything that's going on, so. I would love for no. you to be, it's just, it could be, it could be weird, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Know, with, with both. Well, sure. You know, I don't sure. know. Sure. I'm a, you know, I'm honored you asked me in the first place. I really hope you guys, you know, can find your way back. I know it's none of my business, but I just, you know, we love having you in our family. And Thanks, buddy. I'm sorry, you know. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I completely get it. I don't, you know, I, I, I don't need to be the godfather. First of all, I thought Joel was very mature mm-hmm. about it. You know, he could take it super personally, 
but he knew there was nothing malicious behind the disinvitation. And I thought, well, that's big of you. Mostly, though, I found um, Crosby's attempt to let his in-law know that he loved them and wanted them in the family without trying to, like, put pressure on him to resolve something that is not his business. Yeah. And I thought, mm-hmm. how, gosh, how do you do that? Yeah. Like, how do you make it known, like, I'm really rooting for you, but also I know you have to do what you have to do. And I, I thought he walked that line really well. It just, gosh, what a painful circumstance. I, I did too. I, I really, like, I thought it was interesting that this episode had two different male family members of Julia's going over to Joel's house and having a conversation with him. And I was like, well, I vastly prefer a Crosby. It's like, you know, because I thought that is the note to strike. Like it's, it's treating Joel like a person and not just this, this jerk who left my baby girl. It's like, there are so many elements at play that you don't know. And you're just like inserting yourself. And Crosby didn't do that at all. I I thought, I I thought this was a good episode for Crosby. I've been very hard on Crosby of late. And I really, I, I liked him quite a bit in, in this one. And it kind of made me sad. And it also reminded me of like when Julia sort of kind of half-heartedly tried to do the same thing with Jasmine, when Jasmine and Crosby were separated a few seasons back. And she was like, you know, I just really love you guys, kind of, you know, and, and I thought, boy, they're there for each other, you know, Julia and Crosby. And it's like really sweet for them to like sort of attempt to talk to the other person, but in a way that didn't feel like it was disrespectful or crossing a line or something. I, I really, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I felt like he was, Crosby was really reaching out as a family member. I mean, he wasn't yeah. looking at Joel as on the periphery or only part of the family because of Julia. You know, I think Crosby's really feeling like, oh crap, you might not be part of this family much longer and that's not okay. And I need you to know that I want you to still be a part of this family, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I felt that that was really touching. And I, d- I did feel kind of like, I know Crosby has struggled with growing up and this felt like a nice moment of maturity for him. Yeah. Well, I think Crosby ended up looking better than he could have thanks to Joel's oh, maturity. Oh, yeah. good point. Yeah. yeah. Because Joel totally let him off the hook there yeah that's so true i mean crosby was like let me see what i can do waddle i mean you know <laughs> just just three steps involved from i just took your socks off and i had them on inside out let me tell you about this <laughs> and joel caught on to it and bowed out yeah I, I get it and where crosby should have been was but i want you there yeah with us mm-hmm. so you know mm-hmm. And he stopped at that. And I'm like, he, cause he didn't even get it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I was not a fan of Crosby until, as you make the reference to Zeke and Joel's conversation. <laughs> oh, you know, no, no. Crosby's got it hands down over <laughs> Zeke. I hated every single thing he said. I hated the fact he left the dinner. I hated the way he talked. I hated the word choice. I was like, Craig T. Nelson, get off. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's discuss that Zeke Joel conversation. Well, let me ask you something. What the hell are you doing? What the hell am I doing? Well, I'm uh, trying to figure things out, you know? Figuring things out. Yeah. Well. 
Let me ask you a favor then. Okay. Uh, could you try harder? Hey, look, I, I know that you guys are going through some stuff. Yeah. And I know that you're pissed at Julia. I mean, I don't know the circumstances. I don't know if that's really important. It's pretty important. Okay. Okay. You guys have had it pretty good. And now you're going through a rough patch and you're going to give up? <laughs> Come on. Look, when I walked Julia down the aisle, I gave her to you. And I was so proud. And I was so sure, and still am, of the man that I gave her to. I know what kind of a guy he is. I made a vow to support you and her in that marriage. I took you on as a son. You know about this celebration. Appreciate it if you'd be there. I think the last two lines were the only yes. okay part. <laughs> okay, so, he, so he got there, but he's like, I took you on as a son. Did you? Because <laughs> Julia, where is she? You know, and you're over at his house and try harder. You know, I'm like. Sage advice. <laughs> oh my gosh. But I think yeah. that's a generational thing too. I mean, you know. That, See, but what 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 uh, Joel needed to tell him there to, for the ultimate callback is, well, I don't have to hit that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, it occurred to me for the first time listening to it just now that, you know, Zeke has had his share of marital problems as well, and his children have confronted him about it before, and his response is always, "Well, it's pretty complicated." You know, he says the same things Joel says. Yeah. So, you know, when it's him, he thinks the circumstances are important. But when it's someone else, oh, I don't know if they're that important. I, I was glad to know you guys all had the same reaction I did, because I was like, this must have worked on some viewers. They must have thought like, wow, what a good man. Go over there and and get Joel in line. I'm like, this is emotional bullying. Yeah. Like, hey, I believed in you. Are you going to leave my daughter now? Are you going to leave my whole family? It's like, yeah. And, and as much as I hated that scene, I have already admitted and I will not back away from when Joel walked in, that was one of the most thoughtful moments of the entire episode to me. And that's, again, I can more easily imagine myself in that patriarchal role than I can any other role in this episode. Yeah. So while he sucked at the interaction, <laughs> his intention was good and Nobody else told Joel to be there. Mm. Joel was there. Three years from now, when nobody knows about anything else, Joel will have been there. Mm. You know what I mean? And yeah. if, they've ne if they've never set foot in a church, it doesn't matter. He will have been there when the family was together for Aida's baptism. He was there. I do like you that. Know? Yeah. yeah. And that's important. And I didn't really, you're, I mean, I'm with you guys. I didn't like the, you know, I, I did not like that, that scene. I just, you know, it was, but it was the end. And it really did remind me, Jeff, of our dads, Yeah, you know, and that's a generational thing. And that's just the way they were and the way they approach things. And they didn't talk about emotion. Yeah. Least, you know, <laughs> they're just a get it done kind of thing, you know, yeah. pick up the shattered pieces of your life and move on. And, you know, yeah. and, and we talk about that in our family too, but that's, it's just, I, I felt like this was the most Zeke was capable of. Mm. And to say, 
you know, I took you on as a son was his way of, you know, Hey, I still feel like you're part of this family. I still want you to be part of this family. Awkward as it was, and just inappropriate in so many ways. <laughs> yeah. yeah, It got the job done and got so. Joel there, you know? And that's a good point. I did find it believable yes. for the character. It felt consistent with how <laughs> with he's the, been. Yeah. It yeah. was just like, oh my gosh. And I, I also want to add, I think Joel's reaction to it did help sell it. Because even in that scene, just him listening and tearing up, I thought, I mean, you would have every right to throw that guy out of your apartment. Yeah. But the fact that what he's saying is striking you clearly somewhere meaningful is very compelling. The, you know, the Bravermans don't deserve Joel. No, they don't. <laughs> they don't. And they're not letting him get away. <laughs> um, you know, the moment that really like made me laugh out loud, and I don't even know if it was meant to be funny, but when Zeke goes over there and... Joel opens the door and Zeke's like, hi or whatever. Joel doesn't say hi. He says, okay. <laughs> He's like, I know what's about to happen. Like yep. I'm, I'm like preparing I won't for be the long. onslaught. I didn't think you would. <laughs> yeah. I just, that made me crack up. And uh, do you guys know the comedian John Mulaney? Yes. Uh -huh. yeah. and it made me think of his line. Well, this might as well happen. <laughs> yes, <laughs> You're totally right. That's exactly it. It also, Melissa, it reminded me of Adam and Hattie at the walkathon. Oh yeah. It felt like a pattern of like someone who needs time to process their emotions, their feelings. And then a braverman coming along and saying, you know, you got to get over this right now because it's inconvenient to us. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, We're, this yeah. is a talk about generational. That's generational too. When I also think, you know, for Zeke to completely disregard context and the circumstance and, you know, okay, so he doesn't know, but for him to just act like that doesn't matter. It, the hypocrisy of it makes me want to scream into a pillow because Zeke cheated on his wife for years and years and years something that Joel has never once done ever. He was a damn good husband to Julia. Perhaps, yes, okay, in the last six months, not so much, but he's just, he's hurt and he wants out of the marriage. So he's been like short with her. And, and I think he felt bad about that. And I think that's why he's like, we just shouldn't be together right now because I am so furious at you that every time I look at you, I'm mean. And I don't think he likes being that way. And I think there's, it's not good to bully a person into like staying in a marriage. Give the man time. I think if anything's going to work, it's it's time and not yeah, this emotional manipulation. Also, quick side note, I know that it's very common language to say like you give the bride away, and somehow when it's phrased that way, it seems very theoretical and okay, who cares? But like I gave her to you. <laughs> and he says it like more than once, and I yeah. felt that was so strange and earlier when we were talking about like rituals that you do and like do they actually have meaning um so you know my father died when I was 16 but I asked my brother to walk me down the aisle and it was entirely a symbolic gesture I knew it would mean a lot to him it meant a lot to me but it didn't mean that I thought he owned me and was giving me to my husband yeah. who now owns me Right. <laughs> you know, yes. and so like, what a weird thing for Zeke to take that totally literally and to use it in his weird manipulation. Yeah. I don't right. know. Right. And yeah. And if you could substitute the language of like, you know, Julia is my child. It is my duty to take care of her. And when she chose you to spend her life. Chose, with, yes. I trusted you. 
to also take good care of her and be there for her and support. Like yes. then it's like, well, that's beautiful. Yes. But the abbreviation of I gave her to you. <laughs> She's okay, yours I now. I think I know what you <laughs> yeah. mean or yeah. what I hope yeah. you mean. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I felt like this whole episode started a shift, at least that I felt. Up to now, I've been more on Joel's side in mm-hmm. the uh, troubles in the marriage. And now it seems like the show is subtly or maybe not so subtly shifting it into a, well, Joel just needs to get over it. Joel is stretching <laughs> this thing out. I felt like that was what Zeke was doing. And I, it was kind of one of the takeaways from this phone call with Julia. Well, I feel like this is a really big decision and we're not even communicating about it. This is our niece. How can you just bail out on this? Uh, I'm not bailing, Julia. Uh, Crosby asked me to step down here. You, how are you not fighting for it? Joel, how are you not fighting for me, for for all of this? I mean, you're just... Julia. When Crosby and Jasmine came over here and they asked us to be her godparents, that meant so much to me. I was so proud of that. You know, it's a really big deal. It's a huge honor and it's a huge responsibility. And I don't know, maybe you think that it's just some symbolic thing or something, and I know we're not even religious, but this is a loss for me. Juliet, you're still going to be her godparent. I wanted to do it with you, my husband. I just, I don't understand why you're not willing to fight for this, for us. But Joel, I know, would have said to Crosby, this is my goddaughter and I'm not bailing out. Are you there? Joel. Yeah, I'm here. And no, I'm not willing to stop fighting for our children and for our marriage. But this, this wasn't my call. This wasn't my fight. So please don't dig in on this, please. It's over now. Well, whenever you're, you're ready to fight, for us, I'm here. I mean, especially the end, it feels like they're saying, well, Julia's willing to work on it and Joel isn't. And I'm like, well, how do you not take away that he's the bad guy then? Like, but let's not forget everything that came before. (laughs) And especially on my second watch, all I thought was, this seems like it would be a great time. I mean, not that literal scene, but this point in their relationship for Julia to sit down and have a conversation with him and be contrite and say, I have had time. We are not in the heat of the conflict anymore. And I have reflected on what I have done. And not saying it's all her fault, but if she showed him that she had considered it, expressed remorse, laid out a plan for how she's going to learn from what she has done, I think that could go a long way, but not a, well, when you want to work on it, you let me know. I'm like, Last you heard, he didn't want to work on it. So (laughs) he's just going to, I almost felt like he was like, what he wanted to say in that scene was, Julia, I'm dumping you. Do you not get that? I am rejecting you entirely. Right. If you're going to, I don't want to say it because I know it's going to be really hurtful. But if you're going to refuse to understand, (laughs) then maybe I just have to say, I don't want to be married to you anymore. Partly because of emotionally manipulative stuff like this speech. Yeah, because it's just a grand version of that pattern you pinpointed where she does whatever she wants 
and waits for him to get over it. I'm like, is that what the entire marital conflict is going to turn into? Well, and I had forgotten that whole exchange until you just played that clip. As soon as it started the clip, I'm like, oh yeah, it came back. But I had forgotten it. And what I thought when I started to listen to it and what I certainly thought when I was watching it was, and I didn't really even, I didn't even know the backstory that it was her indiscretion that, that drove him. I didn't get that. But what I got from that phone call was, this is all about me. Why aren't you fighting for me? This was important to me. And now I've lost something. Why aren't you fighting for that? Well, she's even making Aida's baptism about her. Yeah. Yeah. Even at the dinner yeah. table, she was like, well, I'm sorry. I couldn't hold my marriage long <laughs> together long enough. Like, this isn't about you, honey. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. I just feel like the a little gaslit by the show because Caleb, you've just pointed out how the show seems to be saying we're all on Julia's side, right? And I'm like, I, no, I'm still, I'm still no. not. I yeah, because yeah. and I do, feel, yeah. I, I do I feel, feel bad, bad for, for Julia. That, yes, I mean, I, I know course. that must be painful, especially the not knowing. That for me would drive me crazy. Like she's in her own limbo while he is moved out, but yeah. they're not divorced and he's not saying, does he want to work on it? Does he not? Yeah. That would drive me nuts. But I also feel like, <laughs> like you said, that's not going to be made better by saying, try harder. Yeah. yeah. Arrive yeah. at your conclusion faster. I'm like, well, then I feel like it's almost certain the conclusion he'll arrive at is forget this. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Especially since... Yeah, like, Caleb, the thing you said earlier about she, her being contrite, I mean, yeah, it's not like it's 100% her fault, but a lot of it is her fault, and I don't think she's really acting like any of it is, and so she's just acting like... Yeah, she just had dinner with Ed. Or, yeah, what's the big deal? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like she's just acting like on a lark. Joel, for no reason at all, completely unprompted, has left her. How could he do that? And she's ignoring everything that brought them there and just, yeah, saying, aren't you over it yet? You're always over it by now. And that is the thing that really breaks my heart. And Joel, poor guy, what the hell is he supposed to do in this episode? Because we were, you know, especially you, Jeff, praising him earlier for doing the, like just bowing out because that was obviously what Crosby was going to ask him to do. And then he gets a call from Julia. Who's like, how dare you bow out? He's like, I can't win. You know, like, what am I supposed to do? Uh, Was I supposed to start a fist fight with Crosby over baby Aida, you know? And if he had stuck up for himself and said, I'm going to, you know, what she wanted him to say, he would have shown up and she would have gone, what are you doing here? Probably. You know? I don't know. Oh, well, and like also, can't win. this is, in my opinion, what's proper in, in conflicts with in-laws is that you let the siblings soft pedal it in there. <laughs> are you upset with what Crosby did, Julia? Don't yell at Joel. Yeah. Go talk to Crosby and tell Crosby, hey, that was not cool. Yeah. You got you to gotta call him right now and tell him, I'm sorry, I made a mistake get back in here. Julia needs to yeah. leave that fight. so right. That didn't even occur to me. Me neither. No, Good that's point. It. That's yeah. it. That would have made so much more sense. Yeah. Well, and I felt like at the end, Joel showing up at the baptism, it was very sweet, but I thought that feels like a step towards reconciliation. And I thought, yeah. would it be wrong of him to go if he wasn't intending to reconcile? Like, is that just giving her false hope? And maybe he doesn't know. I mean, and that's that's fair. Maybe it's best to err on the side of, I'm glad I was there. Right. I mean, I wondered that when he said to her on the phone, he was like, well, I am fighting for the kids. And then he says, and our marriage. And I was like, yeah. wait, 
are you? Like, and I don't mean that in a like judgy way. I mean it in a, I'm genuinely confused. That's way. news. <laughs> That's news I mean, he, to me. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you well, were. Well, I think here's ending. where the, here, here's where the title of the episode really yeah. does come yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. is absolutely in limbo. He does not know what's going on with his life right now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just, I think that's what prompted me to feel like, Julia, if you could show that you have changed in any way and that things might be different if he chooses to come back, that's going to really help him make that decision. But you just waiting for him to get over it. While you have dinner with What's his, with what's his incentive? Right like, I, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Like, I did also want to ask, especially Jeff and Rachel, about this scene. Hey, guys, what's happening? Okay, so I really wanted to show Daddy the car at the party tonight, mm -hmm. but he said Dad's not going to be there. Well, he's right. Dad's not going to be there tonight. See, I told you. <sighs> but you said it was a dinner for the family. Yeah, it is, sweetie. So Daddy's not a part of your family anymore? No, no. He is. Um, you know, when Daddy and I decided to take a break, we also decided to take a break from each other's families. But he's still a part of your family, and you're still a part of his. That's so. stupid. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. So he's coming to the baptism? No, not coming to the baptism either. If you're just taking a break, then when's it going to be over? When's he going to come home? I don't know. Just knowing that I was going to have you guys on, I was reminded someone in your lives had was going through a breakup, like a divorce, and you then had to answer questions from your kids just about even what divorce was. That mm. At that time, they were very young. And I feel like one of you said, you know, I kind of resent <laughs> that I have to <laughs> talk about this. That and then, of me. course, the question uh. is, well, are, are you guys going to do that? And no, no, we're not. Yeah, that that was me when got divorced from because mm. our kids were really little oh, yeah. and they had lived just a few blocks away. And so they were over a bit. And that was yeah, I I did. <laughs> I resented <laughs> having to explain to my young, you know, because so far what they had known was nothing but solid family relationships. I mean, they had people at school that were from divorced families, but they didn't really understand what that was, Yeah, you know, because they didn't see it in action. And now not only did we have to explain, this is what this means. Yeah. Then that rocked their world and made them think, okay, because their, their next thing is, okay, who else do we know that's married? Oh, well, you guys, uh -huh. wait, is this going to happen to you guys? And that, that rocked their little worlds. Yeah. And I don't, it, it took a while for them to realize, okay, okay, no, all right, all right, we're fine. No, you know, and I did resent having to put my kids through that and teach them that that's not any, ever anything that you want to teach a small child, Yeah, you know, and obviously in the show, these kids are a little bit older than ours were at the time, but that's it. They can't wrap their heads around it. They don't yeah. get it. That's when I felt worst for Julia. Cause I, I thought she's so unclear about yeah. what's going on. So to have to explain that to your kids when you don't even really know what you can tell them that they can count yeah. on. Yeah. And then to, to try and keep a brave face through it too and not just crumble. Yeah. I would think it would just be torture. I did think she handled that very well. Like, I don't think she ever once lied to them to, to like 
make it more comfortable for any of them, any of the three of them. You know, I think when they were like, when is it going to be over? I think maybe, maybe she has changed a little because I think old Julia would have been like soon the way that she said, well, when you die, you go to heaven, which for her wasn't the truth because that's not what she believed. We said, boy, it would have been a lot easier to have that conversation if she were just religious and (laughs) believed what she was saying. But like in this case, I think she maybe learned, I shouldn't just say the comforting thing if yeah. I don't know that I'm being honest with her, you know, like, I, yeah. like I hope that the break is over soon, but I don't know that. So I guess I'll say, I don't know. And so maybe that's a little bit of character development. And I appreciated that she made sure they understood that he would always be part of their family. Yeah. That even yeah. if the parents weren't together anymore, you know, he's still your dad and he's still part of the family. You know, I agree with everything that y'all are saying, listening to it now and watching it last night. I can't get past Sydney's point of view. Yeah. What do you mean? He's not part of our family. I, the, the, the hurt. Yeah. And I'm feeling it from the parent side. I'm like, no, because that is your foundation. Yeah. That's the foundation of what a family is. Unless, of course, I change my mind mm. and then it's all different. No, no. And she, that little actress, did a great job. And those those lines were well written in that they really hooked me because they felt very real. And I also agree, Melissa. Yes, I think Julia at least didn't lie. Yeah. Certainly lying's not going to help anything, but it's just the it's just the magnitude of that's what a family is. And if it is that unstable, if it can stop happening at a moment well that and again it's the it's it this is the dad thing in me i don't care that it's unrealistic i don't want callie or sam to ever have to deal with bad things yeah end of story <laughs> i don't care you i yeah. wish they still didn't know what divorce was that's right that's right <laughs> oh you know and i mean and it translates into anything are you struggling can i buy something for you you know i mean I'm just, you know oh uh, which gets oh. us back to the whole conversation of parenting with limits, but you know, <laughs> be a different right. yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, I, I obviously like understand on a cognitive level that I don't have children. And so I don't know what it's like, but it's, I, I will say it's sort of interesting because I feel like often there are certain things where I'm like, I could imagine that, or I could imagine that, but every once in a while somebody says something and I'm like, Oh, I can't imagine that. Like I've, I've never, I've never thought of that before. And that, what you were both saying about um, the the just sheer honesty of like sort of resenting someone else's misfortune because of what it means the conversation you have with your kids. That is so honest and real that I'm like, oh damn! Like I just never, I never really thought of it like that. Like what an interesting, like everything is filtered through being a parent, like every, yeah. every bit of news you get, I imagine every, everything that happens to anyone, it's probably like, how will this affect my kids? And that's something I've never really fully like thought about before. I mean, I, I think I understand, well, yes, you love them more than anything and you worry yeah. about them all the yeah. time, but like, that's like a new twist. What, what I just heard you say <laughs> that I'm like, I've, that's interesting. That's like a new way of, of seeing the world. And, and it was not, it's, you know, it doesn't mean that we don't, that we weren't feeling. Oh, of course. 
in the situation of course, and all of course. that. And, you know, and then she came and stayed with us for a long time. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, there was all, all of that, but th- there was just that moment of, as a parent, you know, I did not ever want to have to have this conversation with my children. Yeah. You know, I and, think that's, that's it. Yeah. Like, yeah. To not just like almost see things as they affect like the outside world, like the outside world is always like infiltrating your cozy world. Like that, that is an interesting thing because even though I am very protective of my little family, you know, like my husband and I, like we're both adults, you know? So it's, it's, it's a, the protection looks different. (laughs) Like Mark Mark knows what divorce is. I don't know. (laughs) You know, that's, that's, you know, and so like, yeah, I mean, that's just a really interesting way of looking at it. I kind of, kind of blew my mind a little bit yeah yeah so but it's also it's the you try to protect them from anything you can and where I was going when you were talking there Melissa was that we also neither of our kids Callie was first so Callie kind of drove this train but uh, (laughs) she didn't have a proclivity to believe in Santa and we had no desire to ever have her believe in Santa so that was never anything we purported as true other than isn't this a cute story? Right, right. But we were always very quick to tell her, particularly, other kids truly believe so. Yeah. We don't spoil it for anybody else. It's it's like, when do you want to burst that bubble? Right. We don't believe the bu- that bubble is worth, you know, anything <laughs> for us. Yeah. But other kids do. So hang on to that, you know. And, yeah. and that's part of, again, what I'm trying to do is protect her from getting into a surprisingly difficult situation with a classmate who is crushed because of what she says, you know, she did crush somebody's life. in I think it was sixth grade. Oh no. She yeah. just figured it was safe by then. She figured, yeah, we're in <laughs> middle would. school by now, yeah, surely, yeah. you know, and she said Oof. something about Santa not being real. And some kid was absolutely crushed. Oh no. But she, she made it from age three to sixth grade. So I think she did <laughs> pretty well. Good. And you know, at you that know. point, if it wasn't her, it was going to be someone else. It was yeah. going to be somebody. Right. Someone, she was Time doing her a favor, up, yeah. I think at that point. <laughs> right. like, I can guarantee you, Calista did not say to this kid, if you think you're trying, try harder. <laughs> <laughs> You know what's occurring to me right now? It's wild that you brought up the Santa thing. Um, Caleb and I like had like an on record like like (laughs) convert. There's an episode last season where literally Julia is upset because Victor, you know, who they've just brought into their home, kind of spoils it for Sydney and says there's there's no Santa. And so it's interesting, like the same family and everything. And I'm now thinking. Oh, poor, sweet, naive Julia, who is like, oh, her world is dashed because she's learned that a fictional creature does not exist. And now she's like really learning like, oh, you know what? That was probably fine. Now her parents are Here's divorcing. Real yes. yeah. Yeah. Here's the real yeah. problem. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Not only is there no real Santa, but I'd rather sleep with him than your dad. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ed kind of looks like Santa. <laughs> <laughs> Grew the beard out and let it go white. Right, let it go white a little bit there. Yeah. Whoa, that took a turn. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's waiting for the man with the bag. (laughs) Wow, I love that. Uh, Well, is mischief managed? (laughs) (laughs) Let me. I'm gonna look over my notes really fast. Um, Oh, I yeah. I didn't do a a theme. Oh yeah. But you know, I feel like limbo seemed like the obvious one. For Joel and Julia, kind of for selling the house, you know, mm, it's on yes. the market, but it's not getting sold yet. Yeah. Jasmine and Crosby are in limbo waiting to get back into their house. 
Drew and Amber in, in their heartbreak. Yeah. Kind of, you know, when will we get over this? I guess only time. Oh, I did want to mention that I appreciate the show showing us that Amber is still struggling to yeah. get over this thing that happened several episodes ago. I feel like TV is often has such a short memory when it yeah. comes to relationships. Yeah. It's like, two episodes later, aren't you over it? Yeah. Yeah. Like she was engaged to this guy for half this season. Yeah. And then he re-enlisted in the army and kind of left her. That's going to take a while. It'll take yes. a while. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. like that. She's going to be in limbo for a while. No, yeah, I don't. Yeah. You said that yeah. And then Max yeah. and Sarah were kind of in limbo for a while. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that Max and Sarah have, like sort of both found the exact same interest? Like they should be able to like connect with each other because they both have photography, but instead they just both connect with Hank over it and not each other. Only Hank. Is it bad that I believe Max's interest more than Sarah's? <laughs> no. I kind of feel like, well, what's Sarah going to be into next year? Yeah. Yeah, she's a photographer this year, but. She's also been into playwriting and she was into graphic design and she was into inventing a shoe clicker. Um, so she, she's this <laughs> been. And bartending. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. You know, so there's, you know. yeah, that, I don't think that's bad at all. I think, you know, that's kind of her whole shtick. She's a landlord. Yeah, that's true. She's, <laughs> yeah. Or no, she's a super. super. Landlord would mean she owned something. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, Speaking of Max and uh, pictures, this is just a stray note. I'm like looking over my notes. I wrote down, wait, Max is back to taking photos for the yearbook? There the was yearbook, a, There yeah. was a whole episode where he got demoted because he didn't kind of like understand boundaries. You have to get someone's permission to take their picture. Yeah. If someone's crying oh. in the like stairwell, don't take their picture and take a picture for the yearbook <laughs> yes which is what he did and oh, no. and christina was like it's so unfair that they moved you <laughs> and i'm like oh, is it i don't know and so but anyway oh apparently no consequences for max that last any time at all he's back on there uh, maybe that's good i don't know but i just wondered if that was like a conscious choice they made or if it was more like Oh, we forgot that we moved him to layout. Uh, he he has shown up wanting to use the printer, and he has the line, you know, I took these for the year. Oh, maybe it was layout, though. Because didn't he say something about tile printing? Oh, maybe. I don't know what that is, but I'm wondering if that's an arrangement of images on a page. Okay, maybe yeah. so. Yeah, okay. But I feel like shows do that a lot. I mean, we we watch The Big Bang Theory a lot. <laughs> and so we know a lot. And, and when I've seen interviews with those actors, people ask them about, you know, how much do you know your, your character story arc and how much do you know, you know, what happened from season one to season seven or, you know, any of those kind of things. And they're like, we're so, frankly, we're so busy learning our lines and learning how to say all these scientific terms and things. We're not really paying attention. The fans know way more than we do. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, 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 wait a minute. What? What? No, no, that can't be. <laughs> you know, just wait for the podcasters to right. <laughs> yeah. notice everything. Yeah. Pick up hard. Yeah. yeah. And I've and I've heard different things from other from different writers rooms talking about, well, we have a whole chart and we have somebody whose whole job it is, you know, when we want to go a certain direction to check, is that really in canon with what we've been doing? And others that are just like, no, let's just get this episode knocked out. <laughs> 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, very good point. Very good point. My other stray observations, which I don't even know if they're worth mentioning, honestly, but for whatever reason, this time it occurred to me, we've been in Drew's dorm all season. And I was like, that is the most realistically sized dorm I've ever seen on a TV show. I was like, it's really small. I think I noticed it because Birdo was doing his push-ups, like using the yeah. bed. And I'm like, yeah. it's because you can't actually put your legs on the floor. It's too little. And I yeah. thought, yeah. wow, that's so nice because like on Felicity, she like, it's a man. And she's always like, didn't I luck out? Like when everyone comes over and is like, look at the size of this place. And so there's that. And then also baby Aida. I know that they made a comment in the premiere season five premiere when she was born that she was so white but i i really was struck by it this time i'm like does that well she's blonde she's is this blonde? the first time we've known yeah she's and she's like blue eyes i'm like how is this jasmine's child but maybe that really does happen um i just th- i found that fascinating i'm like well she's not just sort of white like, i'm like is that baby that they've hired biracial at all or is that just a white baby that they're yeah. using i also i might be wrong about this but i swear that when we see aida in the future she does not look anything like she that. She doesn't. Either. Next season. So let's keep our eyes yeah, peeled. We'll keep, well, yeah, we'll keep, well, yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> the, mi- the most minor of spoilers, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. My my last stray observation was about the term kissing cousins, which oh, Max yeah. mentions. And I thought, I've read that before, and I'm not entirely sure what it means. It's an idiom meaning something that is of a very similar character to another thing derived from a relative that is known well enough to be greeted with a kiss. Oh. Oh. Okay. It always say it sounds dirty to me. Yeah, me it too. Does. It's it sounds like dirty. making out cousins, like, but it's more right. like peck on the cheek cousins. Like, oh, you're not a distant cousin who I would just shake their hand. Yeah. And kiss you on the cheek. I don't kiss anyone oh, okay. on the cheek. That's the joke. I know. It's from a bygone <laughs> era. <laughs> yeah, clearly. yeah, we don't, yeah. Right. And pre COVID. Yeah. 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 I don't blow yeah. out birthday candles anymore either. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. All right. Well, well, you were a pleasure to talk to as I knew you would be. This is wonderful. <laughs> a delight, really. I love well, this. It. Was a lot of fun. Thank you. Yes. Yay. Yes. Yay. You two are charming and enjoyable. I'm so happy yeah. that you have each other and I am oh. happy to share this experience with you. Thank yeah. you. Uh-huh. Thank That's you. Really nice. I love that. I'm glad we have each other too, damn it. It's really wonderful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's pretty great. Um I don't know if you knew this, but like we started doing this because Caleb and I were like zooming a lot during the pandemic and ma- my husband would like walk around the house and hear us and he was like, "You two should start a podcast." Oh, <laughs> and yeah. Like, yeah That's and, awesome. and, and I was like, you know, I was like, "Oh, we couldn't." And then we were like, "Let's do it." so kind of fun anyway but yeah this was really terrific um we often ask guests if they have anything that they want to like promote um and not everyone does do do either of you have anything you want to promote well if we haven't promoted already if you're in the Kansas city area looking for a good college you should come to jccc (laughs) (laughs) that's true i mean it's a terrific school actually a friend of mine is in the english department there now and has been for like a um maybe a couple years now so yeah she loves it yeah and even if you don't just if you don't need college classes but you're looking for some good art. We have some fantastic shows that come through our performing arts series here. I love that. jccc.edu slash MTC. (laughs) (laughs) That is delightful. I have something to promote too. (gasps) Let's hear it. And you know, you mentioned Big Bang Theory several times on here. Next month, I'll be starting performances of A Man of No Importance, which is a musical at the Classic Stage Company. 
starring Jim Parsons. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know if you guys knew that yet. No, oh, that's awesome. No. But so if you're in the area, come see Sheldon sing. <laughs> <laughs> it's also, it's a beautiful show. And we'll be running through the end of the year. That's so cool. This is the best. Very cool. I love that. Cool. Caleb, when we started this podcast, it was because we couldn't leave our houses. <laughs> <laughs> and I had no work on the horizon. <laughs> oh, and now, check it out. It's pretty great. Also, let's go ahead and promote us, Parenthood Pals. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are Parenthood Pals everywhere. And you can get all of our info at our website, parenthoodpals.com. Until next time, may God bless and keep you always. And may your wishes all come true.